The Crowncast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that means that you are listening to the Wednesday cast of the Crowncast. Uh, the show where we talk about the Charlotte FC and everything that has going on with the Charlotte FC, the surroundings, the team themselves, the, the beautiful stadium, the joyous wins that we get on the road all the time and that Wait. we get to talk about later. And uh, here to live in this fantasy world with me is Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. How you doing? I am well. I mean, I think we've just discovered that I'm are, in a fantasy world. Are you sure? Was there head trauma? I'm not sure what's going on here because, once again, Charlotte have not won on the road. I'm sorry, what? Nope, nope. Still no away wins for Charlotte FC. Uh, why would you break my illusions? Ah, two points out of 27. That's our, that's our current road record. It's a disappointing it's, statistic to hear. That hurts so much more when you actually know what the numbers are. Yeah, it's I had, best when you're in fantasy land, though, to bring you crashing down to earth as hard as possible. <laughs> you know, you're just the type of friend I like to keep around, <laughs> Justin. I woke up this morning. I was like, I'm too happy. Who can I go to? And uh, right you're, here, you're, you're always there for me. Always there. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, this is the Crown Cast, and we are going to be operating within what are considered the standard boundaries of reality, where we did, in fact, lose a match to Montreal. And we will be talking about it, but first, we will be talking about someone who won something. And uh, winning is the way we prefer to do things around here. We had the opportunity to. Uh, sit down with Brant Bronico, our number 13, fantastic gentleman, and ask him all the questions about his personal life. Uh, ask him everything that you could ever want to know. The and hair tips. That's what everybody tips. wanted more yes, than anybody hair, else. The hair tips is what people wanted to know. And uh, while he was here, he was very kind, and he agreed to give away a BB13 drawstring bag here on our podcast. Uh, he signed it and everything, and we put it up for a uh, giveaway. And we're happy to announce that uh, K8 or Kate Disnerd or Kate uh, came away with that bag. And uh, to you, Kate, congratulations. And we hope that you will uh, love it just as much as we love talking to him. Do you think that's fair, it's, Justin? It's really nice. I'm actually a little bit jealous of Kate. That, that, that BB13 gear, that's Brandt's brand and everything, it's some nice stuff. I mean, I know that uh, that you tried to keep it for yourself. I so did. you can't hide that from us. No, Logan, Logan found it in my bag when I was trying to leave after the podcast. He took it away from me. I was disappointed. Well, again, uh, congratulations to Kate. And we will move on into the game itself, Justin, yeah. up in Montreal. Yep. And... I, I think we have to. Do you want to do the talk about the team state, or do you want to do the talk about the actual game first and then go to the team state? I mean, the team state informs so much about this particular match. I think we got to address it. I think it's yeah. it, it is a big reason why I think we Montreal did not play well. No, no, they and did a not. full strength Charlotte FC probably goes up there and and does better. Maybe gets that that. Second goal equalizes and takes the point. Yeah, maybe beats them twelve zero. Maybe I mean, just throwing that out there, right? We're, we're back in fantasy. Hang on, bring it back a little. Bring it back I a refuse. little. I refuse. I strongly <laughs> refuse. Um, no, I mean I do think it's right to say that obviously we were missing ten players. That isn't anything new. If you've been on any of the media's, the socials, the TVs, the records, yes, um, I think I think they even put this they news onto yep. vinyls. They pressed um, it. They pressed it. Sent it out there for us. Uh, 
you know, we were missing really key players. <laughs> Bender in the midfield was a huge loss yeah. to us that day. Uh, uh, we were obviously didn't have Yazwiak. We didn't have him against Shinyashiki the games. Shinyashiki was probably Shinyashiki the other big loss. Uh, uh, we had to start George Marks over Christian Kalina in between the posts. Yeah, I was going to say, let's not let's not forget about the fact that the unstoppable goalkeeper that uh, we have had for a whole season thus far was not in the sticks. And we'll talk a little bit later in that today about how that kind of affected us. Uh, I don't think it was as big of an effect as as it could have been. I think George Marks holds himself pretty well in this one. All that stuff said, they score on us first, Justin. Yeah, and it's difficult for this one to assign a lot of blame. You know, it's it's a it's a good attack from Montreal. That you know, and let's recognize too that Montreal are missing you know several of their players including their current MP, MP, the MVP in Jordi Mihailovic um in, he, he took an injury against uh, Charlotte when we played them a couple of weeks ago uh, here in town but uh, you know they were only missing two or three major players we were missing 10 and and so they have more in the attack they in that first goal they're in a good position with the attack they make some very good runs we don't break down defensively. No. It's just a series of, you know, a, a really well executed offense with a little bit of luck. Because a little bit of luck it to happens, nutmeg yeah. a player, it there's got to be a little bit of luck involved. And in this case, Guzman Carujo does get nutmegged on the shot. I think that nutmeg also puts George Marks off uh, the angle a little bit. It's a, a really well taken shot that drags across the front face of goal and goes far post. Yeah, and I'll weigh in on this one as well because we took the time to to sort of go back and look at it again, as as we always do. Um, and the, the the through ball in, like you said, was really really good. The run in was incredibly timed. Uh, every now and then, as much as it pains me to say it, especially considering I'm talking about Montreal, people do good stuff, um, and. We've talked about it before on the podcast. The other team gets to do tactics too. In the same way that I have said that I expect our players to solve the final third problem for Charlotte FC. You know, I think coaching helps. I think being in that that space and having preset plans and preset ideas helps. Ultimately, a little bit of special flair and creativity has to come through to be the defense, and that is often on the players. And... Unfortunately, that goes against us there. I think I think that little turn there towards the goal was a piece of really special flair and creativity. And I will uh, sort of apologize to George Marks because when it happened live, I actually thought Marks hadn't done a great job. I thought that he'd gotten a little too close to his post and, and had left left space out there that he wasn't able to cover. And the truth is it's hit so hard and it hit so well. And like you said, through the legs of Guzman Carujo, who defended it well, sometimes you just have to say, hey, you get beat. Yeah, I mean, literally a tenth of a second earlier or later, and Guzman Carujo has a foot in the way of that shot. And it doesn't even make it to George Marks. You know, it, it is a lucky break for Montreal that the shot's taken when it is, coupled with the skill of a well-hit shot. Um, I think that's about all there is to say yeah, on goal one. Sometimes um, they just do well. Yeah. Uh, and like we said, that is terrible. Yeah. 
Uh, but sometimes we do well as well. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to talk about the times we do well? Yeah. It, there were a couple of them. We do manage to to net a goal here. It starts out with a Jordi Alcivar free kick from about 40 yards out that he, uh, with tactical brilliance, takes to no one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're not here specifically to knock Jordi Alcivar, but we will <laughs> since we're here. Um, it, it was, I mean, one of the things I, I talked to you about, Justin, was... I was watching that replay, and sort of out of the corner of my mind, I went, where was that free kick going? Yeah. Because it wasn't on frame. No. And it wasn't close enough to being on frame that I would have gone, oh, he was aiming for a corner and just barely missed it. It was almost like he was going for a corner and mishit it, or he was going for a slightly straighter ball that would have fallen a little bit more central, less back post, and mishit that. Yeah, I'm not sure because he's not angled that towards a runner. He's he's not put it. I mean, this ball bounces or, or is about to bounce when the keeper gets a, a fist to it at about the six yard box wide left of goal. And it was it was a it was a <laughs> flying fist from the keeper. I mean, yeah. one thing that you get taught in keeper school is if you're going to hit the ball away, hit the ball away. There's yeah. no like soft punches towards a, a football for keepers. You're supposed to really throw yourself through it and credit to the keeper. I, I don't think it was the right decision, but if he was going to make the decision to punch the ball away, he really punches that away all the way out to, I believe it's Anton walks. So I think there may have been another pass in, in before there. And I apologize. I can't remember who, but I, I will say Anton walks does get on this after the keepers punch and, I mean, I will admit we have not seen enough of Anton Walks this season. I didn't know this was a piece in. I didn't know this was a tool in Anton Walks' uh, toolkit to take the ball, advance like this, and whip a cross in with his left. Oh yeah, casual left winger <laughs> play. Um, exactly what we expected out of our yeah center back, center back, left wingers. Right. It's basically the same position, same role. But yeah, he whips a nasty cross in pace, beautiful height. And he doesn't get a touch, but you got to credit Daniel Rios for being in a dangerous area and forcing defenders to sort of scramble at to try and get the ball. And so I'm going to I'm going to come across you with a question. I'm going to make you defend yourself or defend your opinions. I'm not attacking you specifically. Uh, Do you feel like Daniel Rios should do better there? Yes, his efforts in the same way a good, a well-placed run, I can see you holding in an answer, uh, in the same way a well-placed run draws away a defender, his efforts ultimately result in a defender feeling like he has to make a touch, that touch kicks the ball off to Carujo, Carujo buries it like a professional. But if that defender makes any form of decent touch, there's nobody on the back end of that. The person it looked like it was designed for would have been Rios. Walk me through your thoughts. So, and I mean no disrespect to Daniel yes. Rios here. Oh, I thought you were going to disrespect me, and I was no, like, yes, No, if I meant to disrespect you, I would do that proudly. Uh, but I mean no disrespect to Daniel Rios here when I say, I think this was probably the better result for us. I, I think that Rios does a lot of things amazingly well. I called him out. Excuse me, I called him out a couple of matches ago um, when we played New York Red Bull for his hold-up play, you know, for that second goal. 
I I think that Rios does some things incredibly well. What I have not seen from Daniel Rios, if he had taken a header, he's at the front post. True. If he's trying to take this header, it's an incredibly difficult one. It's head height for him. But the flick to redirect on goal is incredibly difficult. And the flick to redirect on goal past a keeper that's already covering the near post is nearly impossible. So maybe he gets the right touch to flick it back and on, but but to do that, he almost has to head it in a way that it's going behind where he currently is to yeah. get into a dangerous area. No, I mean, I, I, I do think that one of the things that we benefit from here is a little bit of luck. Yeah. And you will you will uh, hopefully back me up in saying I am one of the people who believes you play in the opponent's box because sometimes luck falls. And uh, when luck falls in the opponent's box, it falls to you. Right? Just like Guzman Carujo's feet being just too wide uh, enough on that first Montreal goal. Yeah. Right here, you know, we get luck in a little bit different area, but the, the Montreal defender gets a piece of this. And the, our luck is that it falls straight across the six-yard box to, you know, noted goal poacher Guzman Carujo. <laughs> noted goal poacher. Uh, in much the same way we think of Anton Walks as uh, really the defining winger of yes. 2022, you know, we think of Guzman Carujo as that, that really football IQ uh, late run into the box, find the space, ghost in, tap it in like it's nobody's business, uh, and run away tearing yeah. his shirt off in a goal celebration, Absolutely. right? That's what we think about. Based on the evidence I have seen of situations where the ball falls to Guzman Carujo ghosting into the box late, he's one for one on those shots. Yeah, he's killing it. So I mean, he's our best striker so far <laughs> if, we're, if we're only going by that one very wrong statistic. Yes. Um but not very wrong, very incomplete statistic. Absolutely wonderful for Guzman Carujo to get this goal. Mm-hmm. You know, a great combination from the two center backs with a little bit of, of you know, in the area assistance from our center forward. Um, not necessarily who we expect to, to be combining on these goals, but we'll take it. Uh, it's a great feeling for a little while. For, for a little while. Um, obviously, it all goes horribly, horribly wrong. Uh, do you want to do you want to start us off with uh, with with how that last one goes wrong for us? Yeah, so we're we're I think into the second half there and everything. There's a a very nice cross field ball to an open runner for for Montreal that takes them down their left uh, attacking flank and our right. So they've got a runner going at Jalen Lindsay. They also have a runner on that attacking left inside channel, which unfortunately puts Jalen Lindsay in the position of I have two runners coming at me and I don't necessarily have coverage behind me to step up and cover this inside channel run. Yeah. Which means I've got to kind of split. I, I've asked, I asked before we started this, if Jalen Lindsay maybe makes that run a little flatter, pushes out a little bit wider. And you raised the good point that if you do that, you leave the inside channel runner ride wide open yeah. with a better percentage chance than this was. And and I want to be perfectly clear with sort of my answer to to that previous question that you asked is that I think Jalen Lindsay's in a really bad spot there. Yeah. Uh, I personally think he makes the right decision. When in doubt, and we talked about this previously, where when you're in that sort of danger line, Right when you're either sort of the holding midfielder or you're in the the back, especially in a central uh, area, you can't dive. You can't go to ground. You can't shoot for that thirty percent success. 
because if the 70% goes the other way, they're running at your keeper. Yeah. Right. It's not they're they're running at three lines of established defense. And so my my gut reaction towards this is that if Jalen Lindsay takes this opportunity and he runs hard out to that side and he blows through him in a tackle, um, actually, that's a bit cynical to say, but maybe what Jalen Lindsay should have done was gone to that outside and blow through him in a tackle and just take, take the, the yellow, yellow stop the and, attack. Um, uh, no, we don't like the dark arts around here. <laughs> uh, we like everyone to play the beautiful game, uh, which is true. I mean, I think we both prefer the beautiful game. And short of Jalen Lindsay saying, look, my option here is I'm going to take this guy's ankles out. Um, trying to dive for the ball there leaves a higher percent chance that the ball goes into the back of the net. So I like his play to buy time for the rest of the team. Unfortunately, the rest of the team was all very highly pushed up. We were trying to to make opportunities, and we got caught on the counter. And you know this is why counterattacking football is effective. If you lose the ball in the midfield, or if a quick ball transitions through the midfield, the ball travels faster than the people do. I mean, it's it is as simple as that. And a four on three, Jen Lindsay does his best, gets and, turned, and and it's a great shot. And he does he does do well here in that he forces what we would most of the time consider a pretty low percentage shot. This is this is a well-hit curler to the back post. There's a hint of controversy because Montreal has a player making a run, uh, uh, sort of a, a, a crossing run in front of the, the player who would eventually score the goal. As the shot is taken, that player is in an offside position and has to jump out of the way of the path of the ball or he'll be hit by it and therefore be you know, it'll be an offside shot. The rules of the game state, if you impede the goalkeeper's vision or affect play materially from an offside position, even if you don't touch the ball, it's an offside. And so in the moment, you know, watching those replays, I feel like if you have to jump out of the way of the ball, you are materially impacting the play of the game. And you are you are impeding the goalkeeper's line of sight on the shot. Yeah. And I think it's offside from where I'm sitting. They review it. They VAR it. They decide it's not. I disagree with it, obviously, yeah. because Cle- it doesn't clearly get shot. they're wrong. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Those referees and their calls. Um, uh, I think we can all universally agree that referees will always be hated, no matter how good they are. But I am in a sort of. I am slowly coming around to your way of thinking on this. It is very slow. (laughs) Um, I think you'll have to talk to me, I don't know, 15, 20 times more before I start to actually agree with you. But my statement here, and, and this is how I felt when I saw it live, right, was that player was making a run in to receive a pass. That run in was understandable. It was through an intelligent lane. It was the right place for an attacker to be. He gets caught by the offside trap, which, well done. But he has the right to move, right? Any any player at any point in time has the right to not get hit by a high-speed projectile, um, <clears throat> even if that, the projectile is the football. <laughs> uh, I personally have trouble 
faulting the Montreal attacker here just because, and, and maybe this is a bit of a weakness in me, I can't look back and see somewhere, somewhere where it looks like they tried to bend the rules or it looks like they tried to be cynical or it looks like they tried to gain some advantage out of knowing that this was maybe beyond the scope of, of exactly what should be considered fair and equal play. Having said all that, it absolutely should have been an offsides. There's no way they should have scored. <laughs> Get those cheaters out of here. Uh, the refs have no idea what they're talking no. about, and Montreal clearly couldn't have beat us without cheating. What what you said before, and I, I do get where you were coming from with this, is if the call had gone the other way, if, if that had been a Charlotte attempt and the, the offside player hadn't touched it, the ball went in the back of the net, and then they called it off for offsides, you would have been furious. Oh, I would have been furious. And I absolutely yes. understand that viewpoint, too. My only thing is, is, and I'm not a rules expert in football, but... I don't know. You're the one quoting the rules. But it, if you are offside and you material, materially affect the play in some way, it, it, it's still offside. Uh, Brian McBride, a few years ago for the U.S. men's national team, was called for... He, there was a, a, a grass cutter of a shot coming in towards him. He was standing in an offside position. And all he did was pick his foot up and get his foot out of the way. Ball went in the back of the net. They marked it off at the World Cup for offside, uh, you know, against because a player in an offside position materially affected the play by his positioning. Okay. Uh, in that um, he impeded the the like progress of the goalkeeper, the vision of the goalkeeper. So yeah. So I mean, in the interest of honesty, uh, which is not something we usually <laughs> strive for. So I don't know why I'm talking about that at all. Um, in the interest of honesty, I do think he impeded the keeper impedes the keeper's vision. Um, <clears throat> I think you can see that. I don't think anyone would argue that George Marks has incredibly slow reaction times. I think you can see by the time that he reacts, he has no idea that shot is off until it's past him. That is, uh, you know, as to whether or not there is enough evidence there that it is uh, offsides is ultimately up to the referees, and certainly they felt there was not enough evidence to overturn it. But I, I do think it is fair to say that that player, intentional or not, and you do bring up a good point that intention doesn't matter. Yeah. Intentional or not, impedes the goalkeeper's vision of the shot. It may have been a little harsh. It was a really nice shot. It, it curled really beautifully, sort of left to right. Uh, the, the way, honestly... Uh, uh, no, we're not trying to compliment. Well, no. Point. What I'm saying is... They got lucky, is, let's be honest. It's, it's a similar bend uh, to, to me when I'm out there driving on the disc golf course. Okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's a fantastic transition, and I appreciate you, sir, for, uh, for helping me there. Uh, you know, we do now get to talk about uh, another fantastic game that you can play here in Charlotte and talk about our wonderful sponsors, AHA Disc Golf Shag. Uh, they are a local company for disc golf, and if you don't know, Charlotte is an absolute mecca of the game. And if you already play disc golf and you'd like to get some equipment... At a uh, discounted rate, you can talk to our friends and sponsors at AHA Disc Golf Shack and mention us, the Crowncast, and whatever you are uh, purchasing that day, they will give you a discount. Uh, if you are new to the game, if you have not played the game before, then you can go out and you can talk to Aaron, the gentleman who runs it, and he will take his time out of the day and help you set up what you need to learn how to play the game and to get into the game and overcome those challenges and entry barriers and he will do all of that again at a discount. He won't even charge you 
for the time it takes him to help you get what you need. Uh, so really, really, really good people. And we have some cool stuff at their uh, place right now. We have some some disc golf miniatures Yeah, that are uh, pretty cool, pretty interesting. We'll probably uh, post a picture of those uh, coming up shortly. But you can use them to uh, cap whatever beverage of choice you might be consuming. Uh, in a during, standard aluminum can. In a standard aluminum can uh, during this very hot summer. Uh, and whatever beverage you choose, uh, you can you can take that with you. You can use it as your disc golf mini. It does fit within the legal guidelines of the game. But uh, you can also use it to make sure that uh, whether you're just bopping around your house or whether you're carrying a drink in your bag, that that drink stays in the can and not all over you or your stuff. Justin. Uh, I just wanted to mention real quick, I, I know that Aaron over there at AHA Disc Golf Shack has also been setting up a couple of public uh, just sort of seminars. He brings discs out there to, to a park around town. Uh, you know, I'm sure you can look him up on social media and find out when his next one may be coming. But another great opportunity from another great company to get out there and get a chance to experience this, uh, this game that this is, once again, a great town for. Yes, indeed it is. And I will say that that is about enough of that. Absolutely. And that means... I get to I get to start the bum 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 bum. <laughs> Real quick news break. News. Yeah. So a uh, reminder again to everybody that's listening that might be interested. Something we've been asking for since early in the season. But the July 9th match against Nashville, um, Upper Bowl's open. At least part of it. Yeah, there's a chance for you to go and get tickets at a more reasonably priced structure. Yeah, starting out at 20 bucks, which is great to be able to bring the family, something like that. You know, the Upper Bowl might also be a little less rowdy than areas like the supporter section. Yes, uh, the supporter section, I mean, don't get me wrong, we absolutely recommend that if you can get tickets, because they are hard to get tickets for, but if you can get tickets to the supporter section and you want to go have a good time, please join us. You might meet myself. You might meet Justin. Possibly. Um, you might meet... Some people who are slightly more sane than the you, two of us. You might get um, showered in beer. Could also happen. But that top section is open. And we need to sell it. Yes. Um, you know, we need to sell it because I think that the the love of football in this city is so overwhelming. I mean, if you just walk down the street on a Tuesday, you will find people in Charlotte FC gear. And y- we talked about this previously, Justin. If you want to bring a family of four people... With the prices that are in the lower bowl, it's $220, $240, and all you've gotten is to sit down, right? I mean, you haven't gotten a drink. You haven't gotten uh, some popcorn to enjoy the match with. All you've gotten is that. Yep. And that's a, uh, for those of you out there doing the math, 20 times 4 at 80. Yep. I, that that's, math is correct? Yep. Great. That's a Fantastic. lot. Uh, it's a lot more palatable for a lot of families. It is, uh, which also means that maybe the popcorn can come with the game, and I'm yeah. sure the kids will appreciate that. Um, as you can tell, I usually leave the math to Justin. <laughs> uh, another piece of uh, pretty critical information that has come out is Alon Franco is no longer with us. Yeah, he was on loan uh, from uh, Atletico Mineiro uh, from Brazil, and... Uh, that's, he was playing here for a while. He had played previously under Miguel Angel Ramirez at Independiente de Valle. De Valle. Uh, he's now at Talleres, an Argentinian squad. Mm-hmm. So uh, not sure how linked that is to, to MAR leaving the squad. But uh, I feel like it's got to be at least a little bit linked. Yeah. I mean, I think that... Uh, I, 
I don't hate Alain Franco as a player or anything like that. There were some times where I thought he played really well. He plays in a position that is probably one of the more stacked positions for Charlotte FC. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think that, especially considering the fans that T.D. Ortiz comes with, uh, and I will personally say that I enjoyed Alon Franco. I think that he was a very good all-round player. I am a little bit sad to see him leave. Uh, but if he was going to go, at least it is in a position that we are reasonably covered for. T.D. Ortiz and Jordi Alcivar both sit in that position. Yeah, Sergio Ruiz can play. Sergio there. Ruiz can um. play in that position. And though this is just me talking, but I mean, I, I personally think Sergio Ruiz, if he, because there's talks about, you know, whether Sergio Ruiz will continue with the club. Uh, if he is with the club, he might be the one that I personally would want to see there. But there's a lot of T.D. Ortiz fans out there, and he does certainly bring the energy. Is there anything else we want to talk about? I mean, you know, when we talk about the depth in that position, I think we got to call out a couple of guys who showed up really well in Montreal and Quinn McDeal and, and Chris Haggart, who, you know, maybe they deserve a little bit more of a run out after that performance, uh, you know, against Montreal. And maybe we'll talk in a little while about why they might get a little bit more time. Yeah, they might get a little bit more time, whether we like it or not. <laughs> um, no, it is. I think it's fair to say that they put in a shift in Montreal and especially at the highest level of the game, which is definitely what the MLS is, and Charlotte FC sure, is yep. an unstoppable force. One might even call us one of the premier leagues in... I, I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> um, so when we, when we look at the, the league as a whole at, at these higher levels, showing up isn't good enough. Yeah. Right? I mean, even in the MLS, which unfortunately we can all agree is probably probably like sixth or seventh in the most competitive leagues in the world yeah i think we're solidly in the sort of second tier of world football at this point yeah yeah i mean which is a huge step up from where we have come yeah it's a lot better than the fourth tier of world football which is where we were a few years back uh we have we have to say that even now in this league just being kind of goodish doesn't get the job done no um now not embarrassing yourself at the highest league of football in america is not an easy thing to do yeah so so going out there and putting in a performance that everyone sort of left going in yeah they put in a good shift yeah i think especially for players who haven't had the time on the pitch who were kind of forced to be thrown in immediately and chris Eggert, um I, I do think that deserves some praise yeah I'm not sure that uh, that I suddenly want to see them jump, you know, jump in as as the reliable guy that that stays on the field. No, I I don't see them really as reliable guys, but I think they are the kind of guys who have earned the opportunity as part of squad rotation to make the 18 a couple more matches this season. You yeah. know, maybe get a couple more. You know, get if if we see these guys over the remainder of the season getting a aggregate between the two of them like 60, 70 more minutes. That's not a bad thing. Oh, no, no, not at all. I don't think in those numbers it's a bad thing. Um, but like we talked about previously, and I'm going to jump us around a little bit here, uh, we have to talk about COVID. Yeah. For those of you who uh, are not aware, we are going to announce that uh, we get to interview another player. Yes. A very fine gentleman by the name of Adam Armour. And you may or may not have heard that name 
uh, because he did do a little itsy bitsy thing like score the first ever goal in Charlotte FC history. Yep. Just uh, just nodded that one home against Atlanta. Yeah, and uh, against Atlanta, too. What Oof. a... <laughs> tasty. It, it, it feels, tasty. Honestly, it's memories, and it yeah. still feels good to do literally anything good against Atlanta. <laughs> um, that, that fine gentleman will be joining us soon, and unfortunately was supposed to be joining us today, but did come with news that there has been a COVID outbreak, or at the very least a COVID scare within the team. And we talked about the fact that we did not have a significant number of people up in Toronto or up in Montreal. So one of the things that, you know, we have heard floating around, whether it's there are different uh, regulations in Canada, whether there was an actual series of positive tests that uh, stopped some of these people from going, uh, you know, whether it was vaccines or whatever it was, ultimately those players were not available in in Montreal and well, could not be but, available coming up. But if, I'm sure they'll be available for our next game, which is so far. Oh my God, it's tomorrow. Oh yeah. It's, it's like 24 hours away. Yeah. We play, uh, Austin here at the vault on, on the 30th of, of June. And we easy wins. We're supposed to talk to a player on the squad today who had, COVID close contact and, and couldn't be here. Yeah, so, so it is very reasonable to assume that if someone we were supposed to speak to who is a part of the squad couldn't be here today, that by tomorrow we may still be facing some issue. Yeah. Uh, so we will see what the what the squad looks like going into this next game, but... Uh, uh, really, Austin's, at this point, it's anyone's guess. Austin's a tough team. Austin's a good team. They're coming into the vault, which gives me some hope, but yeah. we are likely still going to be missing some players. Uh, the interviews with Latanzio today said he's not sure yet what the squad looks like tomorrow. Yeah, and that's that's never an ideal statement to no, be hearing from 24 hours away, and I don't know how many players we're going to have. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that we didn't really get the chance to talk about, but I do feel like we should put on the docket, is the All-Star list is coming up. Yeah, voting is open. You can go once a day and go vote for an MLS All-Star team. Uh, you get to, it, it's a fixed sort of formation. So you pick a, it's a 4-2-3-1, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, which I mean, I think benefits Charlotte a little bit in terms does, of we've yeah. got some players that really slot, slot nicely into those positions around the field. Um, the question for, for us today to talk about is who from Charlotte FC might be worthy of a place on the MLS squad. And I apologize to all the listeners. You're going to get this through a certain amount of rose-colored glasses as we look at the Charlotte FC squad because we do love this team. Yeah. Oh no. I mean, ultimately, we are we do this because we are fans. And, but I, I think there are some names that we can put on this list that really nobody can argue. Best case, it, we'll start at the best possible case and work our way down, right? And it's got to be Christian Kalina. It's got the best case. It, it, it is absolutely Christian Kalina who has the best case. I mean. This is a player who very realistically has an argument. Uh, actually, I think I saw him on a list the other day where somebody was like, hey, if you could take these keepers to be your starting keeper from this point forward for the next five years, it was like, uh, uh, and I've lost his name, but the starting keeper at Arsenal, 
Oh, uh, Turner? Oh, no, sorry. No, Turner Turner is going there. um, uh, And congratulations to Matt Turner for his recent move to Arsenal from from the MLS. Um, But it was the starting keeper at Arsenal. It was like a couple of other young, super effective keepers. And like number five on the list was Christian Kalina. It's... A po- that's that's a lot of uh, great company to be in when you're talking about it, and uh, I mean that's insane. Yeah, like, like that means that it's not just us acknowledging; it's around the world. Like and he's he's a monster. He's amazing. Uh, you know, he's perfect for this league, and honestly, I think he's perfect for the city too. I think as a city, we love Christian Kalina. I think he's made a real effort to involve himself in, you know, going to Charlotte Hornets games and being available for for work with uh you know Charlotte Pan- or Carolina Panthers players and appearances around town everything like that uh, coupled with the fact that he's just really good at his day job you know the standard day job of stopping yeah 30 mile an hour 40 mile an hour plus uh footballs yeah flying. getting clattered into by 6 foot 5 center backs from the opposing squad you know uh but if you want to talk about who of everybody on Charlotte FC but most deserves the opportunity? You cannot start the list with anybody other than Christian Kalina. See, I would argue there's one other you can start this list with. Guess, guess who I'm going to say. Okay, yes. You you love him. You you are incredibly proud of him. You are incredibly proud of the fact that he scored a goal this weekend. I, I You know what? It's almost like you know me. <laughs> uh, it Yeah, Guzman Kuruho is just, he's just a force. I mean, to the point that this last game in Montreal, I mean, you talked about the fact that we asked certain players to step up, and some of them did, some of them didn't. And that whole game was the Guzman Kuruho show. Admittedly, he did have Anton Walks next to him. They clearly have a good partnership. He did have Brant Bronico in front of him. Both of those two players put in a spectacular shift, right? But that that game was the Guzman Kuruho show. Yeah. And... It has just been the Guzman Kuruho show. Uh, the only reason we're not all talking every single day about Guzman Kuruho is because, well, really one other defensive member in Christian Kalina has just been supernova levels of good. But <clears throat> he is so reliable. He is so good. He now apparently also scores goals. Yeah. Would, would I- you not put him on this list? He's absolutely on the list, but he's two for me behind Kalina. I can't put him above Christian Kalina or anything like that. But I do think that Guzman Carujo, if you want to talk about players that absolutely deserve a a spot on an MLS All-Star squad, it's Carujo and Kalina. Everybody that we talk about after this, they're good. They have put in some great shifts. There have maybe been some mistakes in certain situations. There have maybe been some down matches, stuff like that. But... Everybody that we talk about from here on out, there are completely understandable holes you could poke in the case for them being all-stars. Carujo and Kalina, I don't think, even taking off the rose-colored glasses, I don't think that you can poke holes in the case that these are in the top of the MLS at their position. You know, in the argument for best at their position in the MLS and and absolutely phenomenal. Maybe not getting a ton of attention because they're on the expansion team in yeah. the banking city, but we see them. We oh, know. no, we absolutely see them. I am going to move us along really quick. I'm going to go ahead and give one more list who I believe should be there. It's not going to surprise anybody. It's Ben Bender. Uh, 
there are definitely reasons to say he shouldn't be. He definitely has things about his game that need to improve. Him improving leads to him being supernova. Yeah. Where he is right now is very, very good. I, I think you can put him as a shout. Even with my rose, rose-colored glasses on, I can't put him anywhere near that list of Christian Kalina and Guzman Caruso. No. I mean, I think there's another set of players. I think Ben Bender is absolutely one of them. I think Brant Bronico is another that you can you can make an argument for... You know, that defensive midfielder spot, maybe there's not a, a, a huge standout all over the MLS or something like that or, or anything. And and I don't think I would be shocked at a player like Brant Bronico being named in a defensive midfielder position or a player like Ben Bender being named in a central midfield position or a player like Andre Shinyashiki being named in a winger position. Yeah, Shinyashiki has come in for us and really revolutionized that wing. Um a player who has a rookie of the year uh, yeah. title already. Uh, he has come in. He's looked really hot. You know, I, I think it's a fair shout out that, you know, especially if you are a fan of, of, of the Shinya Shinkster. Um, and just to be clear, I did not run I that by his PR team before I said that. I don't that, think that's so. an improved nickname. <laughs> um, uh, well, I, now I, now I hope it catches on. <laughs> um, the Shinya Shinkster, tell your friends. Uh, I think he deserves to be in the conversation. Again, I think that these these players have put in great shifts. I think that they've done great things for the club. It is hard to put them in the same expectation category that I now put Kalina and Carujo in. I put those two guys in a... I oh, put yeah. them in a category where I expect them to perform at the same level of, an, of a Premier League starting effective high-end player they are in the category where if the mls all-star squad comes out and their names aren't on the list somewhere i will be disappointed i will be pleasantly surprised if we see names like bender bronica shinyashiki i will be shocked if some other charlotte fc players (laughs) make those lists i wouldn't necessarily be shocked to see christian fuchs make the list on name recognition alone you know yeah. that's a thing with um, uh, with any all star voting. There are yeah. going to be some players that you just look down the list and you go, "Oh, I know that guy." I know guy. that guy. Yeah. Um, uh, I think we can pretty much start to wrap it up there. We are going to be looking on to the future. Uh, like we said, you're going to be getting this match or this podcast today, and we're immediately going to go into playing Austin. And I think we will wrap this up by Justin. Uh, could you give me your predicted score line? For Charlotte versus Austin. Oh, here um, in the vault. I think my prediction right now is. <laughs> oh no! Uh, I'm. <laughs> Those very, are numerical values. I'm well very done. concerned about this one. I I am I am concerned given the health that we're going to have a very hard time defending the vault, and Austin has been playing very well. I am very concerned that this is going to be a two-one Austin win. Unfortunately, I will say I think you're more optimistic than I am. Um, Unless we come out and we see a improved roster list from our most recent trip, uh, I think our goal was well-deserved. I think we earned it against Montreal, but I don't think we can rely on random flicks off of the defender's shin. Um, I'm hoping our defense comes out and does a good job. I am concerned we could see a 1-0 that goes the way of Austin. Yeah, I'm I'm really worried about this one. And and you know, coupled with all of the issues with with COVID and health and safety, we had to go to Montreal this weekend, come back home to play Austin midweek, and then we're back in Houston this weekend 
for yep. another match. This is a rough stretch, and COVID hit at the worst possible time. Yeah, um, I think we can all agree COVID is bad. Really, yes. no matter what your position is, COVID sucks. And uh, with that shocking news... It's, it's a revelation. I'm yeah. going to completely ignore everything I just said, and I will say that we will talk to you again after we go and take three points from Austin, Texas. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com.